Hi everyone, I'm Miles. COVID has disrupted and broken so many patterns in our lives. The way that we work, the way that we travel or don't travel, the way that we study, the way that we worship, even the way we do relationships. And as such, the world has been through a collective crisis and trauma. And this is certainly true for Malaysia. We're part of one of the world's longest lockdowns. And whilst it's horrible to go through it, church history shows us that crisis precedes renewal. I believe that a time of renewal will come, that eventually something good and fruitful will follow. And one of the key lessons from the past is this, to begin to push into renewal now, even while the crisis is raging, rather than waiting until the storm has passed. Now, you might feel that you're just clinging on by your fingernails at this time. It's really tough. But I believe the Lord has a message for you today, for us. So we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament, in the Bible, that I think has never felt so relevant. The people of God had been invaded, not by a virus, but by the Babylonians. And life as they knew it was destroyed. In 597 BC, most of the inhabitants of Jerusalem were forcibly taken into exile in Babylon. And they became known as the Jewish diaspora, the dispersed people of God. And they lived in Babylon and suffered a collective trauma, losing their jobs, their livelihoods, their homes, their identity, and even the ability to worship in the temple. All gone. And we today are also a dispersed digital diaspora, as it were. And we've been exiled from much of our pre-pandemic life. Now, the exiles in Babylon, when faced with this crisis, they, they sort of slipped into three pitfalls, which are often quite often at times of crisis. But God raised up a prophet called Jeremiah who had not only warned them of the coming threat from the Babylonians, but as somebody who'd stayed behind in Judah, then wrote a prophetic letter to the exiles. And this letter got into the diplomatic mailbag and made, it wait, made its way to them in Babylon. And this letter made the exiles aware of these three negative ways to live and instead offers an alternative, a way to live that not only brings flourishing now, but importantly, prepares us for the renewal that follows crisis. This is a relevant letter to us today. So let's read it right now. This is Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning at verse four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. 
Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Amen. So we see from this extraordinary letter, firstly, that crisis can lead to denial, a refusal to accept not just the hardship of the situation, but a refusal to accept that this tough situation might continue for a while. The exiles refused to accept that they were now living in a new normal and not just a passing phase. And I don't know about you, but I felt a little bit like that over the last year and a half. And this denial meant that the exiles did one of two things. They firstly waited passively for the crisis to be over. They saw no point in seizing the moment, but instead they just decided to wait it out, wait for the crisis to end. Inactivity was their answer. You know, one of the words that's used a lot right now to describe our experience is languishing. The exiles in Babylon were also languishing. And this meant that at first they, they didn't work, they decided not to marry, not to have children, not to invest in anything, but instead they refused to believe that the crisis would last. So they did nothing and waited. But Jeremiah gives them a very different piece of advice. He says to them, and I believe this is a word for us today, for you, he says, plant in the midst of the crisis. He writes this in verse five, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. He says, plant gardens, produce stuff, settle down, have a family. Don't put off until tomorrow what you could do today. I wonder, what might the Lord have placed on your heart? to do, that maybe you've been putting off? Or what could we begin to plant today that may not bear fruit until tomorrow, but we could plant it today? We are to be faithful to where we live, prophetic in how we live, and fully discerning of what God is calling us to as his people. And as we plant in the here and now, Jeremiah also encourages the exiles to work for the good of the city. At the end, after communion, I'm going to pray for your work because that is part of our calling. In verse seven, he says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
The rising tide raises all ships. Jeremiah says, work for the good of everyone so that your effort will not only bless you, but also those around you. Do you know, I'm so thankful for the part that everybody's been playing in the HTBB food bank, and not just the volunteers that courageously go out delivering the food parcels, but so many of you who every week give to the church to help us continue this. We're partnering with many others in response to the white flag campaign. It's just so tragic to see people, neighbors here in Malaysia struggling to put food on the table. I want to say, if that is you, please let us know. There's absolutely no shame in this. We can help support you. We're here for one another. But also I've been so encouraged to see um, individuals in the church just reaching out and helping their neighbor or connect groups doing it. Um, there's one young guy who's part of this church and I saw how on his social media, he just put a post saying, look, if anybody needs practical help, please let me know. And two families who he didn't know at all contacted him, one from Penang, one from Johor, and they had very specific needs. One said, we've now looking after more family members, we don't have a mattress for one person to sleep on. And the other family said, we just need groceries this week. And this young guy in his early 20s, he said, not a problem, I'll order it for you. That is the church in action. The church is meant to be famous for its love, the love of Christ for people. So don't be ashamed. Let us know we're here for each other. The church to Christians is like the phone booth to Clark Kent. It's the place where we can uh, support each other, but also where God gives us our superpowers. We are good news as we then go out to the cities where we live. And if waiting and doing nothing was one consequence of denial for the exiles, the other was a tendency to grasp and listen to blind optimism. They listened to and believed false prophets who gave them this sort of overly positive news that they wanted to hear. In verse eight, Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. These false prophets said, look, don't worry, this exile won't last for long. It's going to be over in a very short time. But Jeremiah said, well, actually, it's going to be a bit longer than that. He said, it's going to be 70 years. But he said, there's still hope. Now, don't worry. I don't think MCO is going to last for 70 years. It may have felt like that. But uh, Jeremiah said, look, there is a difference between optimism and hope. They are different things. Optimism is based on wishful thinking. Hope is based on a faithful person, Jesus Christ. And Christian hope is concrete and secure. And this is why Jeremiah writes these words. It's a famous verse in verse 11. Hear it again. This is for you. God speaks this over you. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This promise is for you. Receive it again. It's fulfilled in Jesus. And we can share this good news with others, this hope. 
rather than being false prophets of optimism, we are to be emissaries of hope. That's your job. You're a carrier of hope, a hope bringer, a hope declarer. To whom could you carry the message of hope today? The next potential pitfall of crisis that they faced after denial was that of pattern break. You see, many of our daily practices and the habits in our life are based upon the daily patterns of our life. So, for example, maybe you prayed every day when you were on the commute to work, or perhaps you read the Bible once the kids had gone to school. But when you no longer commute to work because you're working from home, or when the kids no longer go to school because they're being homeschooled, well, then the pattern of our daily life can break down. And the practices on which we hung those patterns hung on to those patterns, those practices can collapse as well. I don't know whether you've found that. Um, but the good news is, is this. There is something that lies above and beyond the patterns of our life on which we can hang our practices. And that's the posture of our heart. Build your practices upon a devoted posture rather than a daily pattern a posture of worship towards God. God says in verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. It says, this letter says, look, even when there's pattern break in your life and the exiles had had an extreme pattern break, you can still pray to the Lord from a posture of worship in your heart. So let me share with you a little bit of my experience with this. Before the pandemic, I found the most fruitful time for me to pray was on my commute to work. I loved that time, just me and the Lord in the car. And I would just pray out aloud as, uh, as I drove the car. But then the pandemic came and pattern break. I no longer had a commute. How was I going to pray? That sort of practice that was hung on that pattern was broken. So then I thought, okay, I can still uh, go out walking uh, on the lunch break. Um, I'll pray then. And I, I, I discovered that actually praying and walking with God is, is, is really good. Actually, it's scriptural. You know, right at the beginning in Genesis, we read how God would uh, walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then Jesus often spoke with his disciples, teaching them as as they were walking on the roads places. And the risen, resurrected Jesus walked and talked with two of his, of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I found this was a really good new way to find how I could pray as I walked. In fact, I, I was so getting into talking to God, I was glad I was wearing a mask. Otherwise people would have seen me thinking, look at that completely crazy guy talking to himself. But then boom, EMCO came and you can no longer go out and walk pattern break again. How was I going to pray now? So at the moment, I've learned to actually, you know, I can just find a chair at home, close the door, and in the stillness, just sit there and pray to the Lord. I've had to learn to develop a, a practice of prayer that is linked to the posture of my heart rather than the pattern of my day. 
Let a rhythm of prayer, of regular prayer, flow from your posture rather than the pattern of the day. And some great advice about prayer is keep it real, keep it consistent. And if you miss a day, okay, just don't miss two. And if you find it easier to pray when you're with others, then you know, every day, Monday to Friday at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom, we run just a 15-minute prayer meeting. Why don't you come and give it a go? But the other thing that Jeremiah encourages the exiles to do, and I think this is a word for us today as well, is to sort of flip pattern break on its head and see it as an opportunity, an amazing opportunity for our lives. You see, pattern break is a chance to reassess, reassess and redirect your life. I saw a recent survey that said that 75% of people have reevaluated their lives during this pandemic, either moving out of the cities or, or changing jobs or, or just taking a new course. Allow the Lord to speak to you at this time as to what he might have for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, we might never, ever get this opportunity again to reassess and to reset the course of our lives. Grasp it. But it requires a posture of our heart submitted to God. And then the third thing that Jeremiah talks about in this letter is that when there's a crisis, we can feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, we can often react in one of two extreme ways. Either we can go into being super passive and inactive, like the exiles, or we can flip into sort of hyper-control mode, wanting to try and control everything precisely because we feel so out of control. Have you ever sort of experienced that this last year and a bit? I know I have. You know, some days I jump out of bed and I think, this is it, Miles. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to kill it. You know, I'm going to really go for it today. And I'm just going to get through uh, the to-do list and, and be over everything. The very next day, I can wake up and struggle to even have the motivation to shave. It's weird. Have you flip-flopped between the two extremes? I think that's quite normal at this time. The other thing that a friend told me about was this thing called doom scrolling, when you sort of constantly just read uh, maybe bad, bad news on your news feed. And because you can't do anything about it, you start to feel anxious. In fact, when our awareness is greater than our agency, it can lead to anxiety. And, you know, maybe you're struggling with anxiety at this time or, or a little bit with your emotional health. Well, you're not alone. You don't need to feel ashamed if that's the case. HTBB is a place where you can find community and friends who will not judge you and where you can find love. You know, Jesus said, a new command I give you to love one another. He said, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. So please know that we're here for you. You can come and share your burdens. And, you know, if some of us need a little bit more uh, help, then we can maybe signpost and connect you with those with specialist skills. 
But I think for most of us, community and prayer is probably enough. So do lean into that. Get plugged into community and ask for prayer. And let us together seek the Lord as the antidote to worry. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. If you feel brokenhearted or a bit crushed in spirit, know that the Lord is saying to you today, I am close to you and I will save you. That's a promise for you. And Jeremiah declares in verse 13 that um, God says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, you don't need to panic over the question of how do I seek the Lord? Again, it's simply a posture of our heart and something that you don't have to do alone. We can do it together as a community through these worship services online, through connect groups online, encourage you to get plugged into one, through Alpha online. That's a great way to begin that journey of exploring faith together through prayer and worship. So why don't we seek the Lord right now? And the way we're going to do that is we're going to share communion together. In the, in the book of James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's possible because of the cross. Jesus has died for us. There's no barrier with the Lord. So in communion, we can draw near to him. And then after that, we're going to have a time of prayer ministry, an opportunity to pray for one another as a loving community.